wonderful joy it is to be here today in order to share God's word. As many of you know, I am from the Dominican Republic. Therefore, we love baseball. My kids love baseball too. And the fall season is over. And during the fall season, my oldest son, Josue Joshua, he just learned that one of his friends told him that he's an atheist. So he was struggling during the whole season just trying to share the gospel with him in order to, 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 to explain the need that he, he, have of, he has of God. Every single day, after, after every single day, he came to me and said, oh, Dad, Logan is not, da-da-da. he's just rejected. Dad, but I have an idea. I'm, I'm going to give him a Bible last game. So the last game was this past Friday. Well, his last game was Saturday, but we decided to do something uh, as a family on Saturday, and we decided not to go to the the last game. So for him, his last game was a Friday night. He brought his Bible. He asked for the Bible. He got his Bible. And then he put a a flyer that shared the gospel in in John 3.16. So he told me all the strategy, and he opened his Bible and said, you see that? When he opened the Bible, look, I highlight John 3.16. I said, that's wonderful. Well, at the end of the game, the game we won. It was probably one of the best games that he had and we have as a team. And then I saw him with tears in his eyes, and he said, Dad, my friend rejected the Bible. He told me he doesn't need it. He's not interested in, it, in the Bible at all. And I'm so sad. And I said, Josue, why, why, why are you so sad? Because I know that where he's going if he rejects this God. And the only way, this is his word, for him to know God is through the Bible. And I said, yeah, Josue, don't feel bad. I, I, I've been in the same situation. And he's not rejecting you. He's rejecting God's word. He's rejecting Jesus. Today, I want to invite you to get to know the God of the living. And the only way to, to know the God of the living is through his word. And I, I've been reflecting about that, that truth because if you, have you heard the, the, the text, the, the portion that we have today in front of us, the Sadducees had a big, big problem. I'm going to talk about that later, but the problem they had is that they had an incomplete scripture. And because of that, they have a wrong understanding about the resurrection. They have a wrong understanding about God. But let me help you to put this text in context. So if you have been here today, first time, second time, and you have lost all the series, you may understand what is happening and what's taking place in the narrative we have today. The last time I was here preaching, it was when this interaction with the religious leaders began. If you were here, the last time I taught, it was when the religious leader came to Jesus because he was in the temple teaching. And the religious leader, Pharisees, Sadducees, came to Jesus and said, with what authority do you do what you do? And you remember, he replied with a question, okay, I will, I, I will ask you a question. If you respond to that question, then I will answer your question. They said, we don't know the answer. They said, well, I will not respond, but... He gave them three parables in a row. Do you remember that? The first one was the two sons. The, the father had two sons, and the first one 
asked him, hey, go to work. And the, the first son said, I will not do that. But then he says he repented and then he went. The second son said, yes, sir, I will go. And he never went. And Jesus used this parable in order to teach them that the tax collectors and prostitutes will come to the kingdom of heaven before of them. So all the three parables pursue to teach them about their spiritual condition. The second, do you remember what? The second one, this loan owner that he has servants. And then the servants, they didn't give back the profit of the, of the land. And he sent his servant and they killed them. And he sent his son and killed his son as well. And then Jesus asked them, what would you do? What do you think the father would you do? Well, I think they, the, the leaders, religious leader answered and said, hey, I think that the low, low owner may take them the land and take action with them. Yes, he will do. And then he talked about some eschatological thing that will happen to them as a nation and as a religious leader. The third parable, if you, if you were here, was about this wedding. The king, you remember and then the king invited them already, and they neglected. They said, oh, we have business to do. We have baseball game. We have a weekend of, of, of Cowboys game. We are not interested in going. And then you know what the king did? Of course, he talked about the, the condemnation that will come to them because they rejected the kingdom and rejected the king. Moreover, he invited us. Everybody. Go outside and then, you know, how this parable ended. But then after those three parables, Jesus started an interaction, individual interaction, with each group of these religious leaders. The first group that came to him were the Herodians. You remember past week? The Herodians came to Jesus trying to... You know, to make him, to find some way to put him against the Romans' authority at the same time against his people. They are in the business of, of shame, of embrace, embrace him or shame him in front of the multitude. So they, Jesus may lose power and influence. And you know how he end? You know that he ended to give to Caesar what belongs to the Caesar and give a worship life to God, what belongs to God. You see the image on this coin? Okay, give to, but you carry the image of God, therefore give to God what belongs to God. So let me tell you what happened today and what will happen next week and the week after. So spoiler alert. <laughs> so then the second group appears, the Sadducees. They know very well the resurrection topic. They didn't believe in the resurrection. So they come with a question. Next week you will have the Pharisees. They are who? The judge of the law. So they will come with the great commission, with the, the great commandment. What is the great commandment, Jesus? And when Jesus finished with them, with three, three questions, then Jesus asked them, which is uh, probably the sermon on the 31st, hey, who's the Christ? And then... After they end with him, we turn to chapter 23. He's very harsh with them. So now you have in context this text, and we have the Sadducees that came with a question that because this question in particular, they believe that the resurrection doesn't exist. They don't believe in the resurrection. And the problem with the Sadducees is that they didn't know the living God. 
So the question to answer today is this. In the light of this, that Jesus is facing the Sadducees' question regarding the resurrection, we will see now how Jesus uses the scripture to show them their error in the the reason why they don't understand God, neither the living God. And we will learn a lot from it. Because as a Christians, we are called to know his, this living God. We may claim that we're not the living God, but not God of the living. And we will know that today that through the scripture, the revelation of his word, is a scripture that reveals himself and leads us to know who he is. To know the true God who gives us eternal life and promises us a physical and eternal resurrection. So back it up and let's answer this question. How do how I get to know the God of the living? Well, it's clear in the text that the first thing we need is that we need to know the scripture. We need to know the scripture. Read verse 22, 23 to 27. The same day, Jesus is two days away of the crucifixion. Okay, keep that in mind too. Jesus is two days away from the crucifixion. The same day, Sadducees came to him who said that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, teacher, can you see the hypocrisy here? Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, We have a parable for you, Jesus. We have something. Be ready to answer. There were seven brothers among us. The first married and died. And having enough spring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and the third, down to the seventh. After them, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong. You are wrong. Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Let's remember what has been going here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they have been trying to shame Jesus so he would lose influence in Israel, as I said. And now we have this group that they are expert in the Pentateuch. Who are the Sadducees? That's a good question to begin this discussion. Well, they are a small sect of priestly families, wealthy aristocrats with a significant, significant influence both politically and at the temple. And they were the majority in the Sanhedrin, if you remember, we have talked about that. They only considered the book of Moses, the Pentateuch, the Torah. Torah. They, they, they said that those books are the only book authorized by God. So they were theologically conservative. And they have a strong doctrine of a human free will. They didn't believe in angels nor demons, 
And they were not looking necessarily for a Messiah king of David's lineage. They didn't believe in the mortality of the soul, and they didn't believe in a future resurrection of the body. And actually, one of the historian, Jewish historian, Josephus, he said the doctrine of the Sadducees is this. The soul dies with the body. That's it. When you die, boom, you are off. They turn you off. And the, the text today teaches us that they clearly, Matthew highlight that, verse 23, that who say they are, who say there is no resurrection. So now we have this group that approached to Jesus as the Herodian did it when they were asking Jesus about this question, the tax payment to Caesar. And now the Sadducees, the toad experts, they are trying to persuade Jesus and they read one text from the Torah, from the Pentateuch. They bring Deuteronomy 25, 5 to 10, that says exactly the same way, the same words. Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. It was very important in the past. Remember that everybody, everybody among the Hebrews and the Jews, they were expecting to have this one who will save them. You remember? That's why... Um, not having a baby in the Old Testament was a tragic. It was a tragedy. Because every woman, they were expecting to carry the promise that was given in Genesis 3.15. So in Genesis 3.15, we have the promise that says that through the, uh, the, the seed of the woman will come the one who will crush Satan. So everybody was expecting to have a baby that could become in this leader, the Messiah, prophet, as we know it in the Old Testament. So after quoting Moses, they come with this question that looks like a parable. They're trying to persuade the king of the parables. They try to deceive the one who, the masters of the parables. There were seven brothers, Jesus. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second, the third, the fourth, the five. I don't know. Honestly, if I met these women in town... Hey, if you are the fifth, you may consider to marry to this woman. There is something that is not going well. So the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. And after, and then they use the number, the perfect number. So after them all, the woman died in the resurrection. Jesus, can you tell us whose wife will she be? Good question. It sounds Rational, but not biblical. And we have some scholars that says that, according to the historian, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they had discussed in this subject before. Because the majority of the Jews, they believed in the resurrection. And the Sadducees were the ones who promoted the most the resurrection. So they argue a lot, and the Sadducees were not able to persuade the, I mean, the Pharisees were not able to persuade the Sadducees. They didn't have the scripture. They didn't know the scripture where for some reason, and they didn't, they couldn't persuade them, the Sadducees, that they were wrong. For the Sadducees, some scholars go as far as saying that the Sadducees only believed that the books of Moses were the word of God. And what was the problem here with the Sadducees? 
I think you can notice already. I, I think you can notice. The supremacy of the Pentateuch made them deny the resurrection. They said, if Moses never mentioned a resurrection in the five book, it's because there is no resurrection. But I love the diagnosis that Jesus made. I don't know if you can read it. Read it with me. They had a big problem, huge problem. And pay attention to Jesus', Jesus answer. Jesus answered them, you are wrong. Why? Why? Because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. That's your problem, Sadducees. You are wrong. You don't know the scripture. And they didn't know the scripture because they didn't know the scripture, they didn't understand the scripture. And what happened when you don't know the scripture and you don't understand the scripture? If you don't know the scripture and you don't understand the scripture, you will not understand God. You will not know God. What was the problem? They have an incomplete scripture. And when you have an incomplete scripture, then you will have an incomplete revelation of God. And having, by having an incomplete revelation of God, then you, will, you wouldn't be able to know God nor his power. And that's the problem. Let me tell you something. It was a problem in the past and it's a problem today. It's a problem today. The same problem why people today, they don't know the God of the living is for the same reason. They don't know and they don't understand the scripture. Do you want to know why today we have false teachers? Do you want to know why today we have false disciples? Because they don't know God. If they don't know God because they don't know the scripture. If they don't know the scripture because they don't understand the scripture. If you don't understand and you don't know the scripture, you will not have a right understanding that good, good God is. Do you want to know why today sometimes we use the, the scripture to suit us? It's because we have an incomplete understanding. If we don't understand, if we don't know, if we don't treasure, and if we don't commit to the scripture, we will develop a flawed view of who God is. We will, we will develop a flawed view of Christianity. We will have our own understanding about what the church is. We will have our own understanding what the marriage is. Divorce. Biblical manhood. Biblical womanhood. Parenting. If we have an incomplete scripture, then we will have an incomplete, incomplete understanding of God's will. And you, I don't know if you understand the, the risk of that. That is very risky. There is something that we shouldn't take lightly, brothers and sisters. That's why Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, do you, do you remember this text? 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. It says... Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of the truth. This is a calling for every single Christian in this room. 
The scripture is the revelation of God himself. It's just through the scripture that God has revealed his nature, his attributes. He has revealed the man's condition, his plan of redemption. He has revealed Jesus as the only and unique way to get to God. He has revealed to us his will. He has revealed to us the promises we have after death. It's through his word. Probably you agree with me, but the COVID-19 has revealed how much Christians fear death. I don't know if you have noticed. You may say, hey, Moses, so you are telling me that you don't fear death? Hey, hey. Maybe you may feel like, uh, you know, but if we believe what God says, what Jesus promised, death is just a transition. It's just a transition to your eternal life with your Lord. The scripture reveals to us the promises we have after death. And also the scripture reveals our second point, the power of God. So in addition to know the scripture, in order to get to know the God of the living, we need to know the God of the living. And this is tricky, but let me go through the text. Read with me again verse 27. But Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor age given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Like angels. We are not going to become angels. But we are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that was said to you by God, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not God of the dead but of the living and when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at this teaching. So it's just through his word that we will know this God. And he has revealed his son. And he has revealed the only way we have to have a personal encounter with him. Okay? It's just through his word. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. So Hearing the word of God produced the faith to believe in Jesus. So it's just through the word of God that we will know this God and we will know God personally and Jesus Christ as the Savior and our Lord, his will, his plan for my life, his plan for the church, his plan for your marriage, his plan for you as a parent, his plan for you as a, as a worker, your plans as a neighbor, your plans, your plans, your plans, your will. His will is revealed through his word. But also, there is more, brothers. Knowing the God of the living will produce the hope we need to this life and the life to come. The hope we need for this life and the life to come. Let me demonstrate this through the scripture. Again, once Jesus diagnosed them and identified the problem, and then Jesus now corrected them two false notions. The Sadducees had. The first, heaven. The second, resurrection. And the first, in fact, eternity, marriage, 
in heaven will be unnecessary. Probably some of you didn't like this news. There's others that they are just waiting for that time. <laughs> they will not have more mother-in-law and, you know. But once individuals have received a glorified body that are not longer subject to death, the need for, for procreation, one of the basic purpose of marriage, is not only, but one of the basic will no longer exist. Why, brothers and sisters? Pay attention to you, to this. If you are married, if you are married to a Christian woman or to a Christian man, that person will be your brother and sister forever. They will not be longer your wife or husband, but they will be your brothers and sisters. Why? Because believers in glorified bodies will be like angels in that sense. Because angels do not procreate. Hey, pay attention. It does not say that we'll be, we will become angels. That's why it says. Pay attention. What it says is that like we will be like them. And Jesus confirmed the problem of heaven and the problem of resurrection and tell that for in the resurrection they neither marry to nor age given in marriage, but are like angels. And that is with regard to marriage. Marriage ends with death. So enjoy it now. I know that probably you are single. And you are like me. When I was single, I said, God, I know that you are coming, but can you wait a little bit more? <laughs> Only death can do the them part. Let me clarify it again. That it doesn't mean that we will become angels. So do not expect that you will grow wings and fly like angels, okay? It won't happen. But also, it doesn't mean that we will not have a gender. We will. We will have genders that will glorify him. Well, we know through the scripture that we will be like angels in different ways. Like Matthew 18, 10, Jesus told them, For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So in heaven we will see the face of our Father. Likewise, Psalms 103, 20. He says, Bless the Lord, O you his angels. You mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of the, his word. In heaven, we're going, we will obey God. But in the context, it only means one thing. In this context, it only means that after two married believers die, we will be brothers and sisters in Christ for eternity. Okay? Remember, that's one hope. So if you are struggling now, just endurance, stay fast, stiff, be patient, heaven is coming. But what happened with the Sadducees, brothers and sisters, is because they have an incomplete scripture. They didn't read texts so clear that talking that, that, that explained in the Old Testament that the resurrection exists. Isaiah 26, we read it already. 
You dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwelt in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For you do is a dew of life. And the earth will give birth to the dead. But they didn't have their part. Like Daniel, for instance, chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting content. So they didn't read at this. They didn't study this. They didn't believe in this at all, at all. And because they didn't believe in the whole counsel of God, it just they have an incomplete version of it. They only believe in the five books of Moses. Because of that, they didn't believe in the resurrection. But look what Jesus does. Pay attention. Jesus is a master. And what Jesus does is, is beautiful. What do you think Jesus do? He takes a text from the Pentateuch to demolish, to destroy their incorrect and their incomplete understanding of the resurrection. That's what Jesus do. Pay attention. Read it. And as for the resurrection, and then Jesus then hid their pride and said to them, Have you not read, you that studied the Pentateuch, have you not read what was said to you by God? Had you not read? And then Jesus come with this incredible text. And I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Boom. Drop mic. <laughs> or mic drop. What's the right way to do it? Sorry. Jesus quoted a statement that God had made directly to Moses in the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 6. Moreover, you know how many times in chapter 3 God spoke to Moses using the same lines three times. The first time God spoke to Moses and, and told Moses himself, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Exodus 3.6. And then when Moses asked, 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 asked God, hey God, if somebody asks me, then what, 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 what I will tell them? Who send them in? Tell him that I am. And then he said, what he said? Verse 13. I am what? I am the Lord of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is the second time in the same experience. And then God that knows Moses' heart, then go to the leaders. Go to the elders and tell them the same thing. Go and gather the elders of Israel. Verse 16, chapter 3, Exodus. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you. So Jesus told, I mean, Yahweh told him the same thing. Yahweh told him three times. And Jesus is picking one of those to, dis, to destroy the arguments of the Sadducees. Why? If the Sadducees were right and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died and were no longer present anywhere, the words I am should have been I was. I was the God of Abraham. I was the God. The use of the present tense, I am, implies that God reminds the God of this Patriarchs, 
because they are alive with God and will ultimately participate in the resurrection of the righteous. God is the God of the living and the one that are dead spiritually as well. He raised from death every of us who one time we were dead. He's the God who gives life to the dead in, his, in this world so that they may live eternally in the world that is to come. Moreover, he's the one who promises a physical, bodily, and eternal resurrection, resurrection to those who have believed that Jesus is alive. And maybe your question is, okay, Moses, how can I know this God of the living personally? Well, the word of God tells us. There's only one way, and that is through him who called himself I am. There's only one way that you can know this God of the living personally is through the I am. In John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way to receive the promise. For this life and for the life to come is just through Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, moreover, there is only one way to receive the promise of the resurrection. You want to know how? It's through the great I am. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he died, shall, yet shall, be, shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you see that there is an existency after death? Your life doesn't end when you die. I don't know if you, you can see three basic elements in this portion when Jesus said that he is the resurrection. First, life continues. Second, you could be alive today and death. And third, you can die if you died in him you will be alive. Do you believe this? Church, a couple questions to wrap up this wonderful text. Do you know the scripture, church? Do you understand the scripture? Do you understand the implications of not knowing the scripture, but just having portion of the scriptures to suit myself. Church, do you delight in the scripture? How much do you study the scripture? Church, do you have an encounter, a constant encounter with the scripture? Well, let me guess. Do you only have an encounter every Sunday? When you come. Because I know that sometimes people just come twice in a month to the church. Because they understand that's a way to do church. I know that some of you are starving already. Waiting to have lunch soon. <laughs> but imagine that you only eat once in a week. 
What would happen with your body? What would happen physically? Imagine that only you eat once in a week couple portion of the scripture. If we want to know the living God, we must feed ourselves daily if we want to be spiritual healthy. If we only study God's word by parts, then we will have an incomplete version of God. We will have an incomplete version of his mission, of evangelism, of making disciples. If we have an incomplete version of God, then probably we will have an incomplete version of the gospel. If we have an incomplete version of the gospel, we will struggle in this life. And that's another way that God meant it to be, brothers and sisters. We are offering classes on Wednesday night. So you can continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But you know what happens sometimes, brothers and sisters? Sometimes we do what the same thing that my son's friend did. We ignore the scripture. And we say, I'm not interested in that. Or... I don't need it. God's view on marriage, divorce, parenting, membership, church, discipling, evangelism, mission, you name it, only can be developed through the scripture. And I don't know you, but I don't want to hear that voice from Jesus. You are wrong. Because neither you know the scripture or the power of God. Let me tell you this, the psalmist, once 19.103 says, How sweet are your words to my test, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Second question, church, do you know the power of God? Do you know the power of God? In the context of the conversation with Jesus, the power is related to the resurrection. And do you know that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that sustained us daily? Do you know that? Don't believe me. Let me show you that through the scripture. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 said, The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. So the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from death is in me. To sustain me today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Saturday, when I'm sick, when I'm broken, when I'm struggling, when I'm in a crisis. God sustain me now and after death. Brother, this is good news. This is the good news of the gospel. God is taking care of me because the spirit of God that is within me, now he's helping me. Do you believe that? Let me give you, give you one final application. Do you know the power of God in a sense that he can save the worst of the sinners? You know. You know why we don't evangelize in the way we should? Because we don't believe in the power of God. And we, say, we, we see a co-worker or a neighbor and we say, ah, oh, no, this guy is lost. 
No one can say. We don't say it, but we believe it. How do you know, Moses? Because we don't preach it, the gospel to them. And when we ignore a lost sinner, we are saying, I am not sure that you're going to hell. I'm going to challenge today to think in one person, one person that you know that is not with Christ. One person. And I challenge you to pray that the power of God may be manifested saving that person. Let me tell you this. Probably you will not see his salvation. But at least you obediently pray for that person and share the gospel with that person. If you are visiting today, did you notice the way that the crowd reacted? And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. But as we know, the same crowd that two days before his crucifixion, they were astonished. Two days after, they will be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Which means that if you are here today, if you are not a believer, you may be, wow, that's not enough. You must repent from your sin and run to Jesus as the only Savior. So you may know the God of the living and you may experience the power of the living God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is sweet. Thank you, Lord, for confronting me. Confronting me in a way that I can't be just a hear, hear person, but a doer. And I pray you do the same thing for our church, First Urban. I needed to listen to this sermon. And I'm so happy that you spoke to me and confronted me and, and shaped me and continue to do it. I pray for First Urban. Use this sermon as an instrument of your grace to shape us and sanctify us. Even though we don't like it, probably. And maybe we have another opinion. But I pray that the spirit of God take what belongs to God and use it as an instrument to sanctify us and glorify your name. In your name we pray. I invite you to respond. Worship in the name that is above every name. So stand up and let's worship together.